0: How can you prepare for a transition to a more sustainable future? Here's what matters.
1: Live from our respective coronavirus social distancing outposts, I'm Lauren Goodwin.
0: And I'm Robert Betts.
1: And this is Market Matters from New York Life Investments.
0: In this podcast, we, the strategists at New York Life Investments, will share insights from the multi-asset solutions team. What we think matters as we manage investment solutions.
1: That includes Mainstay's diversified portfolio series, including the Income Builder Fund, as well as bespoke solutions for our partners.
0: By sharing perspectives and engaging with you, our listeners, we can all become better investors. Welcome, everybody. It is the week of April 5. And today, I'm sadly without my colleague, Lauren. But don't worry, she'll be back next week. For now, I'm lucky enough to have a special guest on the program to help me out with today's show. And while she can never replace my co-host, Lauren, I couldn't think of a more capable person to tackle today's specific topic. Amanda Kamisek, welcome to the program.
2: Robert, thank you so much. It's great to be here.
0: Yes, you are an advisor consultant, so it's great to have you on the program. It means that you are a trusted provider of investment management expertise when it comes to investment solutions that an investor or a financial advisor can put in a portfolio. So you help financial advisors in the Pacific Northwest navigate the complex market for investment solutions so that they can do their job and achieve their clients' investment goals.
2: That's right. I partner with a number of advisors in the area to provide insight about what we're thinking from a macroeconomic level to portfolio construction, to positioning within our different investment solutions.
0: Yeah, that's great. And speaking of investment solutions, you've witnessed a surge in demand for ESG and sustainable investment strategies. Is that right?
2: Yeah, that's correct. We've certainly seen the demand for ESG and sustainable investment funds grow at a record pace recently. In 2020, flows into sustainable funds reached $51.1 billion in the United States into both open-end and exchange-traded funds.
0: Wow, that is pretty significant.
2: Absolutely. And to put it another way, flows into sustainable funds represented 24% of overall flows into U.S. stock and bond funds in 2020. Now, although investors pulled money out of open-end funds broadly for the year, they did increase flows into sustainable open-ended funds with $17.4 billion in flows across various categories. And however, it's important to note that ETF flows also grew substantially in 2020 as well.
0: Right. A lot of investors entering the market either for the first time or seeing a tremendous buying opportunity during the pandemic. And we've talked about this on the show before, but just taking a step back, ESG investing is an acronym that we use to describe a set of non-financial metrics on which we can evaluate a company. What is its impact to the environment? That's the E. What is its impact on society? That's the S. And how is the management team structured or governance to put differently? The G. Amanda, can you talk a little bit more about those factors?
2: Sure, Robert. Material ESG issues are strategic business issues that can affect financial performance for a company. Environmental issues include carbon emissions and climate change. And how a company handles these issues can impact their production costs and ultimately earn them a higher or lower valuation. Social issues include corporate culture and cybersecurity. How a company engages with its employees, the vendors it works with, and the broader community can all impact its reputation and ultimately how competitive they are. And governance includes executive compensation and board diversity. And this can impact a company from its share price to earnings potential.
0: That's really well said. How do these issues make their way into an investment solution?
2: Our global boutiques apply these characteristics as an additional assessment and risk management toolkit across the different companies that they're considering for both equities and fixed income. And the goal at the end of the day is to uncover companies with more favorable ESG characteristics that ideally have fewer hidden risks that will be more resilient to unexpected events like we saw when the global pandemic hit in the first quarter of 2020.
0: So back to your business then of advising financial professionals, why do you think there's so much demand now? Obviously, there's the pandemic, but why do advisors and investors want to incorporate ESG factors into a portfolio now?
2: There's a lot of factors that play into this, but I think one thing that really stands out is that today's consumers are just much more aware of how the companies they're investing in and buying from stand on, on different issues like environmental and social issues investors are really demanding much greater transparency about how and why their money is invested. Now, there's this perception that by investing in sustainable strategies, you have this performance trade-off or a sacrifice in returns in order to invest in companies following ESG principles. And we've seen that flipped upside down inside of, in a bit. Uh,
0: yes, yeah, so a common misconception, I'd say.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, during the first quarter of 2020, that market drawdown that I just mentioned that was driven by the COVID-19 pandemic, sustainable equity funds noticeably outperformed their conventional peers and really put that performance myth at rest. And the reason for that was that the companies that were more resilient during that volatile period had policies in place around environmental concerns, social concerns as it relates to their employees and protecting them from a health perspective, and governance concerns around board diversity and structure. And while investing in ESG companies isn't always a guarantee they will outperform conventional strategies, it doesn't mean that you're compromising performance. And with many social and environmental issues at the forefront of investors' minds this year and last year, I mean, this allowed them to really take action with their investment dollars.
0: Yeah. And they certainly did take action based on those flows. And it's not a surprise to me, given everything you just talked about with the pandemic, that people are focusing more on these non-financial metrics. But there is a light at the end of the tunnel in terms of the pandemic. So we're vaccinating about 3 million people per day in the U.S. And we're hopeful that we could reach herd immunity here as early as June. So looking ahead, I wonder what the drivers will be that propel this trend further. And I actually see three drivers that I think could continue to impact the market. It's really comes down to regulation, consumption, and government investment. On the regulation side, I think about legislators. You know, We've seen the Federal Reserve establish a committee to oversee financial risks associated with climate change, and there's a big push in terms of disclosure and transparency by the SEC. On the consumption side of things, consumers are just demanding more transparency and they're becoming more cognizant of the impact that their purchasers have and, and what they can do with their wallet, the power that their wallet has. And then on the government investment side, the Biden administration, they just released their new spending plan, the the Biden administration. It really puts greener and a more equitable America front and center in its spending and investment.
2: Yeah, there's been a lot of legislation and governmental impact recently that has certainly addressed a lot of those issues that you just mentioned. And while there's some issues in the space, such as greenwashing, which to those that aren't really familiar with that term, it just means giving this false impression of or misleading information about how a company's products are more environmentally sound or reaching certain social issues. Many investors and financial advisors are thinking about those three things that you just mentioned and really just trying to prepare for a more sustainable future. And that recognizes that some companies and investment solutions may have an advantage in this environment as legislative and consumer preferences change.
0: That's a really good point. And if the laws and demand for goods and services change, that certainly impacts the revenues and costs associated with a business or its bottom line, its profits.
2: It does. Consumers are using their dollars to influence change with almost 70% of U.S. consumers saying a company's social reputation will influence their decision to buy a product or not. So that's pretty meaningful. Today, more than ever, their values-driven consumer will boycott brands that are not aligned with their beliefs or avoid certain products due to their environmental impact. So you're absolutely correct. I mean, these concerns are changing the way that people both buy products and how they're investing their money.
0: Mm. And businesses and investors and professionals must carefully navigate these changes because that ESG squeeze can happen at any point. So selecting companies and investment goals wisely and preparing for the future incremental fund flows that might come.
2: Absolutely. And 2020 really highlighted that link between capital markets and real world events. And investors want their portfolios to invest in companies that address issues like climate change, address public health issues and social justice issues.
0: We talk about that. That's the transition risks as we move to a greener future.
2: Yeah. And and addressing the physical risks. I mean, 2020 was a record year for heat, hurricanes, wildfires, and that really highlighted the risks and high costs of climate change. And so I think that's why we're seeing a lot of action at the government level as well. And so we're seeing a lot of these government agencies respond to climate change concerns, trying to address the risk that climate change poses to financial assets.
0: All right, this is a perfect time for our Portfolio Pause uh, section of the program where we share an investment idea. And I think the big question today for you, Amanda, is based on what you're seeing in your consultant work. How are advisors implementing ESG and sustainable themes into their portfolio?
2: Yeah, there's a variety of approaches to sustainable investing. And the asset class has really evolved over time. At the most basic is negative screening, where certain investments are excluded from a manager's universe. The next most common form is positive integration, where managers are incorporating ESG factors into investment analysis, Really trying to identify the best in class ESG investments or at the same time avoid worst in class ESG investments. And then another growing form of sustainable investing, impact investing, where investors really look to directly address a specific problem that is important
0: to them. Mm, that's really important background. I'm glad you brought this up because we haven't really talked about this on the program yet. So let me just quickly summarize what you said because it described ESG investing as a spectrum with three main types of investing across that spectrum. First, there's negative screening. And that's been around forever. It's removing stuff from a portfolio that is toxic or that you don't like. Positive integration, which often means selecting the best ESG companies in a sector or industry and avoiding the worst ones. And third, impact investing. As you said... And summed up nicely is where an investor can directly address a specific problem that's important to them.
2: Yeah. And you might see certain strategies that utilize a few of these different strategies, or maybe they're just using negative screening or incorporating positive integration. And you know, when investors are thinking about an ESG solution, we would say that there's two things they really want to think about. So first of all, is this particular approach actually meeting their specific goals and what they're trying to accomplish? Because as we mentioned, there is a spectrum in different ways to do it. And secondly, whether the manager is truly skilled at identifying ESG issues and have that experience. So to give you an example, we're able to leverage the experience of one of our European boutiques, and they've been investing in ESG for over 20 years. And what they're able to do is enhance the index creation process for one of the ETFs that they collaborated on with us. And this really provides investors access to their ESG research, dedicated company research profiles and analysis, but in the framework of a low-cost tax-efficient ETF.
0: Yeah, that's great. It that sounds like there's certainly value to be added here in the active management space and research space. We're running a bit short on time, but I just want to squeeze in one last question. A lot of our listeners to our show, they reach out and they ask us all the time about the recent performance of ESG and green investments. They want to know if it's gone too far too quick. They always want to know if they can still buy. So in your opinion, Amanda, is it too late to join the trend and start investing their portfolios in a more sustainable way?
2: Yeah, we get this question a lot, Robert. And whether you know this is a passing fad, and, and I would say absolutely not. I mean, what we're finding is more asset managers are incorporating ESG characteristics into their research process as a risk management tool, whether it's a dedicated ESG strategy or not. And now we'll certainly see that certain ESG themes or style biases may be in and out of favor at different times, but we believe this isn't really a trend anymore, but a way of investing and doing business.
0: Mm, that's a great point. It's just like how sometimes investors prefer Value or growth styles, or cyclicals, or defensive sectors. Uh, this stuff can ebb and flow.
2: Absolutely, and we believe this is going to be a core part of investor portfolios moving forward. We're still in the beginning stages, particularly in the United States, regarding the adoption of ESG characteristics and to how managers are picking companies in their portfolios and really the flows. Into strategies, both mutual funds and ETFs. We've seen tremendous growth in terms of just the creation of new strategies and fund flows, of course, but we think there's a lot of upside and opportunity there.
0: Yeah, likely more growth on the way. Amanda, we'll have to have you back on the program to see if you are right in that view.
2: <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure.
0: Yes, it has been great. Before we go, this week we might hear more on the administration's new fiscal stimulus and infrastructure plan, particularly if they will take a reconciliation process or if they will do it in a bipartisan way. But that's it for today. We'll be back next week for more Market Matters. Make sure you let us know what matters to you by finding us on social media. Just check out our pages, mine or Lauren's, on LinkedIn. And you can also follow our views on the website. That's YorkLifeinvestments.com and clicking the Insights tab. Until then, I'm Robert Sarenbetts. See you next time. Okay, y'all. One quick thing before you go. Impact investing. And environmental, social, and governance managers may take into consideration factors that go beyond traditional financial information to select securities, which, as we discussed, could result in relative investment performance deviating from strategies or broad market benchmarks, depending on whether such sectors or investments are in or out of favor in the market. Further, ESG strategies may rely on certain values-based criteria to eliminate exposures found in similar strategies or broad market benchmarks, which could also result in relative investment performance deviating. As always, there's no assurance that investment objectives will be met.
1: Our podcast is produced by Milo Benamont, and our music was composed by the fabulous Zach Young. I'll now read our disclosures from compliance. For more information about mainstay funds, call 1-800-624-6782 for a prospectus or summary prospectus. Investors are asked to consider the investment objectives, risks, and charges and expenses of the investment carefully before investing. The prospectus or summary prospectus contains this and other information about the investment company. Please read the prospectus or summary prospectus carefully before investing. There's no assurance that the investment objectives will be met. Past performance is no guarantee of future results, which will vary. All investments are subject to market risk and will fluctuate in value. This material represents an assessment of the market environment as of a specific date. It is subject to change and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information should not be relied upon by the reader as research or investment advice regarding the funds or any issuer or security in particular. The strategies discussed are strictly for illustrative and educational purposes and are not a recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any securities or to adopt any investment strategy. There is no guarantee that any strategies discussed will be effective. This material contains general information only and does not take into account an individual's financial circumstances. This information should not be relied upon as a primary basis for an investment decision. Rather, an assessment should be made as to whether the information is appropriate in individual circumstances, and consideration should be given to talking to a financial advisor before making an investment decision. New York Life Investments is a service mark and name under which New York Life Investment Management LLC does business. New York Life Investments is an indirect subsidiary of New York Life Insurance Company, New York, New York 10010, and provides investment advisory services and products. New York Life Distributors LLC is located at 30 Hudson Street, Jersey City, New Jersey, 07302. New York Life Distributors LLC is a member of FINRA SIPC.